Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week we continue our series called The Invisible Enemy with a message titled, What Are You Afraid Of? We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Hello, good morning. Would you welcome our campuses, South Shore Campus with Pastor Hector. We're so glad you joined us. Plant City Campus, come on, let's give it up for Plant City with Pastor Michael and everyone watching online and all of you here at the Tampa campus as well. We're so glad you joined us for church today. Well, it's an honor to speak on this stage. I want to encourage you, come back next week. Our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, is going to be starting a new series next weekend. You do not want to miss it. And of course, I always thank Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara for an opportunity to teach on the stage. Would you show them your appreciation as well? Thank you guys so much. So I'm particularly energized today because I actually just came back from a little family vacation in the mountains of North Carolina. And uh, I want to show you some pictures because we got to experience something that Floridians can only dream of, which is fall. (laughs) And uh, here's some of the pictures we had from up in North Carolina. I mean, it was just beautiful. The leaves just started changing as we were up there. You can go to the next picture, beautiful waterfalls, waterfalls in the forest. And you can go to the next one, leaves changing. It's just one of the prettiest sights, honestly. And here's a picture of my family. Uh, up there all together, and so it was a wonderful time, and it was almost as if Florida knew I was going to smack talk it today, tried getting down to 60 degrees this morning. (laughs) Nice try, nice try. Well, given the the timing of the message today and uh, what is celebrated tonight, I thought it would be particularly appropriate to speak about a topic that we all struggle with at some point in our lives. Some struggle with it occasionally, some have deal with it every day, almost every hour. And that's the subject of fear. What about fear? How do we deal with fear? Where does fear come from in our lives? You know, it's interesting, fear even affected one of the most powerful prophets of the Old Testament. I'm talking about the prophet Elijah. In the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah called down fire from heaven. He performed miraculous signs and wonders and moved with the power of God. But even the prophet Elijah was afraid at one point. So much so that he ran for his life and hid in a cave. And so if fear could even affect one of the strongest and most powerful prophets of the Old Testament, then we should take note and learn from his experience. So if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to pick up the story from there. We're going to be spending this entire message in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, so I encourage you to turn there. And we're going to pick up the story at the end of chapter 18. This was right after the prophet Elijah encountered the prophets of Baal. There was a showdown at Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal tried calling on their God to call down fire, and they couldn't do it. And Elijah, almost tongue-in-cheek, said, is your God asleep? Is he maybe using the restroom? And he honestly said that in the Bible. You could read it earlier in the chapter if you'd like. But he encountered the prophets of Baal, and then Elijah calls on Yahweh, the God of Israel, and fire comes down, consumes a burnt offering, even the water around it, to show the mighty strength of God. And this is how the chapter ends. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 46, it says, The power of the Lord was on Elijah. He was riding on a high, and he tucked his mantle under his belt and ran ahead of King Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Elijah was riding high, just seeing the fire of God come down from heaven, and he was ready for his next adventure, ready to take on whatever came next. But watch what happens in the very next verse. We flip to chapter 19, starting with verse 1, and it says this, Ahab, who was the evil king at the time, 
told Jezebel, this evil woman, everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Jezebel sent a threat via messenger to Elijah saying, I'm going to take your life for what you did. And watch what happens. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. It's amazing how this powerful man of God can go from confident, literally walking with the power of God, to literally running in fear just two verses later. And so if you're taking notes today, the title for the message is this, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And with that, let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your presence is here. And God, we pray that your spirit speaks to us. God, I pray that you use me, speak through me, and that we learn how to resist fear, to fight fear, and to trust in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. In his 1933 inaugural address, President Franklin D. Roosevelt spoke one of the most well-known quotes about fear. He said this, So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Nothing to fear but fear itself. The context that FDR spoke this was right after and during the Great Depression. The stock market crashed in 1929 and the country is trying to recover. And so FDR gets up at his inauguration address and says, don't fear, don't hesitate, we can move past this if we just don't fall into fear. Now his quote is trite, somewhat memorable, but a little misleading too. Why? Because there are actually a ton of things to be afraid of. Like, so many things can cause fear. And I think it would be disingenuous to say we just have to fear fear. There's actually many things that we deal with every day. The word fear can also be known as a phobia. And the phobia comes from the Greek word phobos, which means fear or terror. And there are literally an endless number of phobias in psychology. I tried to find how many phobias actually exist, and there is no maximum number. New phobias come out all the time. Almost as many people are there in the world, there are phobias. But I thought this was interesting. Fears typically fall into one of four categories. Fears related to animals, fears related to the natural environment, fears related to injury or medical issues, and fears related to specific situations. Maybe even fear of the future fits into that. And we all know some common fears, right? Arachnophobia, a fear of spiders. Some just shivered here at the Tampa campus, I'm sure. And then you also have claustrophobia, the fear of enclosed spaces. But I found some unique fears. I thought it would be a little humorous to look at some of them. I'm going to try and pronounce them the best I can. There's a fear called electorophobia, which is the fear of chickens. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if that's live chickens or if it includes chicken wings, which would be a terrible shame but it's fear of chickens. Onomatophobia, which is a fear of names. It'd be hard to introduce yourself. There's trypophobia, a fear of closely spaced holes. I don't know if Swiss cheese falls into that category. And finally, pogonophobia, which is the fear of beards. I apologize if you struggle with that today. 
Now, you may not deal with any traditional phobia or named phobia, but fear is so common, so prevalent, especially in today's culture. And if you include words like worry, anxiety, or even stress, we all deal with it in one way or another. Even a younger generation come, has come up with the term FOMO, the fear of missing out. Whether it's fear of missing out on a piece of entertainment or media or having the latest thing or apparel. I've always thought this was interesting. Dave Ramsey says it like this. He does the Financial Peace University, teaches on debt. He says, we buy things with money we don't have to impress people we don't really like. I think that sums up FOMO quite nicely. <clears throat> now, some people are less susceptible to fear and worry. Maybe it's a general optimism or confidence. It takes something serious to instill fear in them, and I admire those people. But others struggle with fear quite often. Again, sometimes even on a daily basis. And if someone even as close to God, used as mightily as the prophet Elijah, can struggle with fear, what can we do? Elijah even feared for his life. So how do we combat it? How do we strengthen our own spirit to withstand against fear? So I'll give you three tools, three strategies for dealing with fear today. Number one is this. Reject the messenger. Number one is reject the messenger. Amen. I haven't even explained it, and someone's applauding here at the Tampa campus. Praise God. Now, this doesn't apply to all fears, but we need to identify what in our life triggers a fear response. What is it that when we watch it, when we hear it, when we are expose ourselves to it, do we begin to fear? Do we begin to worry or stress? It may look like just staying on the news all day, every day. It may be watching certain movies or listening to music. It might be conversations with certain toxic people that instill fear in your life. And we encourage you, begin to identify those things and then stop them before they even get into your mind. You know, it's like spam calls. You ever get spam phone calls? I don't imagine you answer them and say, yes, I'd like to talk about my car warranty. I have a few free hours. Let's do it. No. You hang up. Or better yet, you don't even pick up the phone. Actually, I'm going to give you a, a tech tip really quick. If you have an iPhone, there's actually a feature called Silence Unknown Callers. If you don't know about this, after service, don't do it right now. I do after service. But you go to the settings app on your iPhone, scroll down the phone, silence unknown callers, and then toggle that on. What that does is if that contact is not in your address book, the phone call will be sent straight to voicemail. It won't even ring your phone. Silence unknown callers. I wish this was available in every aspect of life. <laughs> if I don't know you, you can't get through. I'll check the voicemail later. Anyway, you should really do that later. It's really helpful, I just want to say. So let's look again at the moment Elijah fell into fear. 1 Kings 19, again, verses 1 through 3, what happens? Ahab, the evil king, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. He killed all the prophets with the sword, and so Jezebel sent a messenger. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do severely if I don't make your life like one of those prophets you killed. And then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. I find it so interesting that one verse before, at the end of chapter 18, Elijah was walking in the power of God. He was on a spiritual high, ready to go. But once that messenger came, 
I could just imagine this guy running up at Elijah. Elijah, who is this guy? And it wasn't until that message was delivered to Elijah that he became afraid. I believe if he had never heard the words that messenger had to say, he would not have fallen into fear. You don't have to listen to every message that comes your way. My friend, uh, my friend makes fun of me because when I get the mail, I don't get a lot of actual mail. I get, you know, do e-bills and all that. So when I get the mail out of my mailbox, I go right over to the trash can outside and I just drop it in. I don't even bring it into the house. I shuffle through it. You know, if there's anything important, the IRS, yada, yada. <laughs> but I just put it right in the trash. I don't even bring it in the house. Why? Because it is junk. It just takes up space. It's something I have to deal with later. I would encourage you, don't do that with the messages that you hear from the news and culture and maybe even friends. Don't even bring it in the house. Don't even let it be in your mind. You see, fear enters our thought life through those open doors. When we open these doors to conversations or things in culture or news, that thin end of a wedge starts breaking in and the spirit of fear can get a foothold. When I was in high school and college, I would watch scary movies, you know, like horror movies. And they were gross, you know, frankly, evil, many of them. And I wouldn't have nightmares about what was in the movie, but I noticed that in my daily life, there was an increase in worry and stress and just fear of the unknown or the future. And so I would encourage you, whatever it is that is that thing that you could identify, maybe it's not a one-to-one -one correlation, maybe it's not you watch this and then you have a nightmare of that, but if you see fear and worry begin to rise in your life, check yourself. What have I been exposing myself to? What have I been listening to? What have I been watching that might be instilling that fear in my life? You see, the Bible makes it pretty clear that we are not supposed to live with fear. Over 300 times, the Bible says, fear not, fear not. Psalm 34, 4 says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. And John 14, 27, this is Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let your heart be afraid. So I realized I needed to, at that time, when I was in college, get rid of all those movies. Now, back then, we had DVDs. You know, you had physical media, so you could have a dramatic showing of throwing these things out, you know, and stomping them on the ground. Today, I guess it's just going into your Netflix queue and saying, delete, delete, delete. Less dramatic, but still just as useful. You can do it there too. But you know, I had this fourth grade Sunday school teacher when I was growing up. His name was Lenny Lamagna. And we would do Sunday school before church, you know, and he used this illustration and it has stuck with me even to today. He said, your mind is like a filing cabinet. He says, once you see something, once you hear something, once it enters into your mind, into that filing cabinet, it doesn't go away. At any point, the enemy can reach in there and use something that you have seen or heard against you. And so maybe it's, you're just watching the stock market all day and night. And if it looks like that, you start feeling stress and anxiety. That just gets filed away. And maybe it's the music you're listening to. Maybe it's the lyrics. Maybe it's how it makes you feel, but it's instilling negative emotions. That gets filed away. Maybe you have that conspiracy theory relative. You know what I'm talking about. 
just going to put that right in there. <clears throat> Maybe, I didn't want to put an actual scary movie poster on here, but this is a scary movie. <laughs> and you know, the news is so funny, because sometimes you don't even know you need to worry about something until you read the headline. Now, don't get scared. I saw this. It says, the bubonic plague is found in chipmunks in Lake Tahoe. That's the Black Plague, like medieval stuff. I didn't even know I had to worry about bubonic plague until I saw this. Well, that's filed away. And once that stuff is in there, when you're sitting alone at night, when you're sitting by yourself at work, when you feel your chest begin to tighten and you feel your pulse rate, the enemy comes in here and he takes those things that you have seen. He says, remember this? Visualize that. Do you remember that thing you read in the news? You should be afraid of that thing. Remember that music you were listening to or that thing your friend said to you? You know, you should be worrying about that too. Maybe it was that music. And it just gets filed away for the enemy to use against you over and over again. So do whatever you can to resist those messages ever getting in here. Because they will stick with you for a long, long time. Now what happens, though, to a piece of paper left in a filing cabinet for years and years? If you never look at it, if you never bring it out, it does begin to fade. And so if you have let some of those messages into your mind, I want to give you a tool. Philippians 4.8, the Bible tells us exactly what we should do. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure and lovely, commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on those things. Begin to fill your mind with the things of the Lord. Play worship music. Read scripture. Spend time with God. Find friends and people in your life who are uplifting, who also love Jesus, who can speak to your life and encourage you. Fill your mind with those things, and everything that's been filed away will begin to fade. Amen? You know, there's an old Sunday school song, too, Be Careful Little Eyes What You See. Be Careful Little Ears What You Hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And it is not a song to condemn or to feel guilty, but it's because God loves us so much. He doesn't want those things rattling around in our thought life. So number one, reject the messenger. And a lot of you are going to love this second point. Number two, take a nap. I know there's going to be many spouses saying, they said in church to take a nap, so uh, honey, I got to... Yes, if you want to use me as an excuse, that's fine. But I think it's so interesting that after Elijah runs away in fear, fearing for his life, watch what happens. 1 Kings 19, we're still there, in verse 4. He went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say Elijah was fearful and depressed and experiencing anxiety. He says, I'm no better than my father's. And then he lay down and slept under the tree. Suddenly an angel touched him, and the angel said, Elijah, get a snack. Get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. Two naps. That's a good Sunday afternoon. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time, touched him. He said, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. 
So Elijah got up, ate, and drank, and then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. So two naps and two meals later, and Elijah was able to walk for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I said take a nap to be funny, but I think there's an important point here. It illustrates the importance of rest and peace in our life. You see, <clears throat> amen. You see, when we are stressed and overloaded and anxious, we are more susceptible to a spirit of fear. If you are hanging by a thread on that last nerve, everything that we see and hear can become fear in our lives. I think it's no mystery. This is what we're seeing in our culture and nation today. Just look at these statistics when it comes to rest. 70 million Americans claim to have chronic sleep problems. One in three U.S. adults regularly don't get enough sleep. 88% of American adults reportedly lose sleep due to binge-watching media. This poll was taken in 2019, pre-pandemic. So I believe these numbers are probably even much higher now. Now, a recent poll by the American Psychological Association says this, 84% of adults reported feeling at least one emotion, anxiety, sadness, or anger, associated with prolonged stress in the prior two weeks. So 84% of adults in America said in the last two weeks, they experienced one of those emotions which are related to stress. The most common feelings were anxiety, 47%, sadness, and anger. We are stressed and tired as a nation. I think if these surveys were taken by parents with young children, it would be 100%. 100% stressed, 100% tired. And the things that we read and see and hear, like the bubonic chipmunk, it robs us of rest. Because once we see and hear these things, we think about it. We lay in bed at night and we think, oh, do I need to worry about this? Or what do I do about that tomorrow? And it robs us of that peace. I want to encourage you, 99% of the news that you see has no bearing on your day-to-day -day life. It will not benefit you in any way or instruct you on how to live. If you want those instructions, read the Word. Pray to God. He'll tell you. Listen to the words of Jesus. He's speaking to the disciples after they just ministered to people. Mark 6, verse 30 says this, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Even Jesus told his disciples, Rest. In Psalms 127, verse 2, it says this, In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. And now I understand there are extenuating circumstances, people who have to work multiple jobs and maybe single parents. It is very difficult, and I am not lessening that at all. But I would encourage you, ask God to show you where you can rest. It is literally a commandment, one of the ten, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It doesn't mean a specific day of the week or time. Jesus says in the New Testament, Sabbath was not made for or man was not made for Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man. Excuse me. You see, Sabbath was not made as some kind of uh, instruction we need to follow daily day, or day by day or some kind of legalistic imperative. The Sabbath was made for man because God knew we needed rest. 
And so ask God, even if you have one of those situations where we are working so much, ask God, where can I Sabbath? Even if it's just a few hours in a day a week, you have to do it. You have to do it. Because it will fight against fear. So take a nap and eat a snack. So number one, reject the messenger. Stop the messages even before they come in. Number two, take a nap. And number three, listen for God. Listen for God. You know, I love this story about Elijah because we usually see these parts of Elijah's life separately. But if you put it all together, you have Elijah encountering the prophets of Baal, defeating them on Mount Carmel, and he walks with the power of God. Then he gets a threat from Jezebel and he becomes afraid, depressed, and anxious. He runs and hides in a cave. An angel comes and gives him rest and food, and then he travels again, and then he encounters God in a cave. And watch this. In 1 Kings 19, just a little ways down the same chapter, verse 9, it says this, Elijah entered a cave and spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. The nation is in disarray. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by Elijah. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire was a voice, a soft whisper. You see, Elijah was transparent with God. When he's sitting in that cave, he's telling God, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm the only one left. You called me to this thing. You called me to be a prophet, but now I'm running for my life. Elijah felt abandoned. Maybe some of us feel like that today. I would encourage you, step one is be transparent with God. God is not going to get his feelings hurt if you are honest with him. Being honest with God never ends poorly. He wants to hear from you. God wants to hear your struggles and your worries because when, they, when we give them to him, he can make our burden light. First Peter says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And then I love this part of the story because it's almost as if God is showing his incredible power to Elijah through a mighty wind and an earthquake and then fire. God is saying he is almighty. God is omnipotent. God is afraid of nothing. And that same power lives in you, so you don't have to be afraid either. And after God shows his tremendous power to Elijah is when he whispers to him. This is why we need to have peace and rest and be quiet so we can hear the whispering voice of God. And he says, do not be afraid. Like in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I want you to imagine yourself like Elijah would. He felt alone. He was scared. Maybe you're dealing with a fear right now. Maybe you are feeling alone right now. And God is saying, I can show you miraculous wonders. 
I can shake the very foundations of this earth. How much more do I care for you? How much more can I deliver you from that spirit of fear? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 John 4, 16. It says, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God in him. And watch this. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. So as your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, if there is something in your life that you're saying, I'm struggling with this fear right now, say, God, I don't know what to do with it, but I need to lay it at your feet. Show me, teach me. Deliver me from this thing. I know you love me. And that love can drive out any fear I might have. And with no one looking around, if that was you and you're saying, I am struggling with fear in my life, this is just for me so I can pray for you. Can you slip your hand up? No one's going to look around. If you're saying, I'm struggling with fear, just keep it up for a moment. Saying, there's something that I'm worried about. There's something I'm dreading. There's something in the future with my job or with my family or with my health. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And it's causing you to fear. There's hands all over the room. We're going to keep our hands up together in agreement. God, you see your children. You see how the spirit of fear is robbing peace and joy from your people. God, help us to trust you. Help us to live in the love that you have for us so that it may drive out the fear from our lives. Help us to rest. Help us to spend time with you. Help us to limit those things that we are exposing ourselves to so that we don't have fear constantly entering our minds. God, I believe you're going to move on these people at all of our campuses and online. And you'll experience less fear and less and less until it's totally gone. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. Now, if you're struggling with fear or you feel something stirring in your heart, step one of combating fear is making sure you've given your life to Christ. Receiving the love that Christ has for us. Jesus Christ died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins, and it's in that power that we can resist fear, resist the things of this world, and serve him. And so we want to give you an opportunity to do that, to give your life to Christ even now. And so if one more time, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, we're all going to pray a prayer together. It's a simple prayer, but if that's you, and you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ, we want you to pray that with us too. Everyone say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Give me peace. Give me rest. And I give you my life. Teach me to follow you for all of my days. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed that message from Pastor Stephen Robles. Don't forget you can subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. You can do that at youtube.com slash Crossing Church. You can also download the Crossing Church app in your app store by searching for Crossing Church Tampa. We can't wait to worship with you next weekend. 
For times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.